is the Rejoicing in the Word podcast, coming to you from the capital region of the Susquehanna Valley. My name is Josh Hamilton, and I'm here today with Brandon Starnes. We want to welcome you back to today's episode. We want to remind you that you can find our Rejoicing in the Word page on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rwmen. You can also find the blog there at svbcpa.org forward slash rwblog, and you'll find the Rejoicing in the Word blog there. Also, if you're going to share the link for the podcast, you can do so at svbcpa.org forward slash rwpod. And as I'm saying all this, remember, we're having our drawing here for Season 2, and the deadline, this is important, deadline, write this date down in pen in your calendars, May 1st. May the 1st is our deadline for drawing entry. So if you need a reminder on how to enter the drawing, you can do so on facebook.com forward slash rwmin, and you can message us. Tell us that you want to be put into the drawing there. The other way you can do it is you can go on to our website and the church's website, svbcpa.org. You can go down to the contact section, send us an email through the contact section there. Let us know you want to be part of the Rejoicing in the Word drawing, and we will be more than happy to put you in there. And as a reminder, we have some devotional series we're looking to put out, give out to you guys. And then the other thing is we have Rejoicing in the Word coasters, and those are slate coasters. They're very nice, and they're ready to go. And we're excited uh, to have that little bit of a drawing, just add some fun to the podcast here in that way. It's going to be a great opportunity, and we're looking forward to it. Yes. And we are getting here to... We're going to be wrapping up our season two. Not that we're done. We're coming back. But for season two, we're wrapping up our missions themed uh, series that we've been going through here. And so as we do so, this final episode, I guess official episode, we're going to have the drawing. So you want to make sure you tune in for that. Um, But this episode here is going to be praying for your missionaries. And as we know, prayer is one of our greatest resources in missions. We've touched on that before. And really, during our missions conference, uh, we had veteran missionary Dave Loop. He's been on the podcast. If you've listened to the previous episodes here, you would have heard him. And he is—he took some time and developed a, a little bit of a series of challenges for us each night. And it dealt with the trials and triumphs of the missions field. And he also developed a list on how to pray for your missionaries. And so we're really using that material. He, you know, is letting us use that material he put together there to bring this podcast to you. And so that's where a lot of this material is coming from. And it's going to be a little bit of a different podcast. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of reading from Scripture. And we want to see and look into and delve into what the Scriptures have to say about prayer and it's how powerful it is and how necessary it is. And, you know, one of the things that struck me uh, just close to my heart during the missions conference was the fact that dollars are important, they're necessary for a missionary to get to the field. But the fact is, in order for a soul to have their heart softened and come to Christ, it's going to take more than dollars. It's going to take prayer. And so as we as we look into this vein of prayer, uh, we're we looking specifically at the scriptures and how we can pray for our missionaries. Yeah, prayer is so important. And of course, if you're going to speak on prayer speak on anything that's qualified, you must go to the source. And that, of course, is the Word of God. We really could touch back, and we should, Trish, for a moment, I think, about 
I think it was last week, we talked about the characters, characteristics rather of a New Testament missionary. And one of those, and I'm just going to touch on this one because it ties so wondrously well uh, into the lesson or the theme uh, for this this episode. Uh, but it is uh, one of the characteristics of a New Testament missionary is the fact that there is a specified call. You can go back to a podcast and that's a whole section. But uh, we we kind of mentioned this in that podcast, and, and let's kind of start from there. But really, prayer is not only important for our missionaries, prayer is not only important for us as well, but prayer is an important part of the actual commissioning of the missionary. Um, even in the scriptures, sometimes we think of um, the need to uh, send forth missionaries, but the reality is they do need a specific call. Uh, God has a specific preparation in their life. He has specific gifts for them, and therefore there needs to be a specific call. Uh, I think of Matthew chapter 9. The Lord emphasizes this as he looks out upon Jerusalem, and he goes out preaching the gospel. He makes a specific discovery or statement, I should say, about the sending forth of laborers. Yeah, let me read that here for us. The scriptures say, and when Jesus, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Yeah, notice that. And that it will be the Lord that sends them forth. And of course, as we focus a little bit on that commissioning in which God has sent someone forth, we think of maybe Romans 10 and Romans 10 about the, the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, how shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? Preacher, the idea, a, a gospel message giver kind of thing. Uh, it says, and how shall they preach? Except they be sent. Except they be sent. And how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. I left out a phrase there that's important. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know, there's another verse that's kind of a parallel to that out of Isaiah. Yeah, go ahead. Isaiah 52, 7 says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. I believe Nahum chapter 1 also has that same connotation, as well as beautiful feet of those that preach the gospel of peace. And so I, I think as you're we're launching out into praying for your missionaries, you really need to pray for your missionaries before you know who they are. Uh, that is, really, there's individuals in, in Bible-believing churches that dot this great country and even around the world that God is working in their heart even now, and we need to pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send them forth. And uh, hopefully those individuals uh, are even now, as God moves on their heart, preparing and being faithful to the task that is at hand for that day in which God will call them into his area of the vineyard as it was. But that kind of, just that thought of praying for them beforehand. Now, once they began all of this missionary endeavor to which God has given them, 
we see once again that prayer will be just a vital part, a vital part of God's calling, not only to them as missionaries, but also as their continuation in the field of missions. And uh, we mentioned Brother Loop's list was 10. We kind of just for our our podcast kind of, we're going to read it at the conclusion, but we've kind of taken about six or seven thoughts and uh, extracted them and kind of built the podcast around those uh, today. So we're going to take some time and highlight just seven of those, but we'll read it in full at the end so that you can have that uh, for your thought and your heart as you continue to faithfully pray for your missionaries. One of the first areas was to pray for God's sustaining grace as missionaries face challenges, as missionaries face challenges. And of course, a passage that we would consider is out of Second Timothy chapter 3. Yeah, and the scriptures say, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You know, it seems like we have revisited this verse um, two or three times. Uh, the fact is, here's the Apostle Paul. In the next verse, I believe it is, he talks to Timothy and he says, uh, you know my manner of life. You know that I've went through all these, the, the stonings, Lister, et cetera, and out of all of them, the Lord delivered me. And then I think, of course, the book of Acts, I think of John Mark. Now, here's a young man that God would use later greatly, but his first onset, he goes out with Paul, and he goes out with Uncle Barney, and that's Barnabas, <laughs> and uh, you know what he runs straight into? Difficulty. Difficulty. Persecution. Challenges. Yeah. And, you know... We would speak often of cultural differences that exist and how that sometimes can be a shock to our systems. But the fact is, if we're going to go forward and send missionaries, they must be keenly aware that challenges will exist. And we must pray for them, uh, pray for God to give them sustaining grace, pray. I think one of the, one of the challenges is the dangers that abound. Um, the fact is we need to pray that God will give them safety. Yeah. Um, of course, another area is the danger of provision. Um, it's quite a different lifestyle to live on financial support as opposed to live on a paycheck that you get from the corporate company, as it were. Right. Uh, that in and of itself can be a challenge. Uh, you know, I think of sometimes in the marital realm, sometimes we have insecurities about how much is spent or how much is brought in. And, you know, so curious we are that everything equals out. Well, uh, a lot of missionaries live literally by by the promises of people to fulfill their commitment for missions in whatever way in which that's that's gone about in that in each individual church. And so when you look at this, the Apostle Paul had to deal with the same thing. He had to deal with the fact that sometimes churches were forgetful of him. Uh, sometimes he had what he needed and sometimes he did not. Sometimes he had not uh, food, and sometimes he had food. And this is mentioned over in Philippians chapter 4, and I think it gives us consideration and other reason to pray that a missionary will have grace in these challenges. It does. Let me read that for us. Philippians 4.10, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well, ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Isn't that interesting? He talks about my affliction. 
you know, the affliction of having need, um, the affliction of being patient, the affliction of, of having to wait for God in a real sense to meet your needs. It's a wondrous experience, yet also it's one that is, is difficult and it requires some spiritual grace. Uh, I think one thing we forget sometimes is that missionaries, like other believers, are still in the process of growing. Uh, Paul says over in Philippians chapter 3, he says, I count not myself to have apprehended, yeah. but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are before I press towards the mark. Yeah. He's mentioned a little bit of that process of sanctification that God's placed him in. And no doubt with the missionaries is there over there or over here, wherever they might be preaching the gospel to the condemned of Adam's race, there's still the needed process of sanctification in their life. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes it is in the area of having need. Yeah. And so what do you do? Well, you, you pray that God would just grant them grace, despite sometimes the danger, despite no doubt the provision. I noticed there in the text that you read, Paul said, I am instructed. That means that it just didn't come naturally. Yes, it was in divine keeping. God is teaching him a lesson. That's why he is instructed. This was not his choice. This was not his plan. By the way, I'm not at all submitting to the thought that a church ought to withhold their support just to teach that missionary. No, No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm simply saying that as a whole, there's time of having needs. There are things that happen in countries not called the U.S. that we as Americans are just not aware of on a regular basis. Costs that are not accounted for, taxes that were not considered. There are very and sundry, great and little distinctions. And many of those are in keeping with God teaching his people. He said, I'd teach them how to be hungry, how to abound, how to suffer need. And then he says of the Philippian church that despite this, they had done well. They had communicated And that, of course, has the idea of giving financially. They had done well. They had done their responsibility uh, by grace giving. And certainly, um, they had also fulfilled the promise of praying for their missionary, that that missionary might have grace to face challenges. Of course, this is just one way. There's others as well. Yeah, but we can pray for patience as the missionary adjusts and adapts to a new culture. Yeah, um, one of the optimal words here is, Patience. Uh, that's a gift of God. I, I think of a sister word, uh, long-suffering, one of the fruit of the spirits, long-suffering. I think I like long-suffering the best because if you break it down, it describes what patience means. Yeah, just it's to suffer, suffer long. But also with that, it, it, you know, the focus in my mind always goes to suffering. But I think beyond that, patience at least in James chapter 1, it has the idea of suffering in a sense of abiding under with joy. Right. You know, the long suffering is always coupled. It's a singular fruit with joy. We're counting it up to joy. Uh, it's God's sustaining grace that he's given us. But nonetheless, there's going to have to be some endurance. And the missionary is certainly going to have to endure. Uh, Paul mentioned that again over in the text in Second Timothy, I endured these things. Uh, but one of the things to be endured sometimes, I should say, adjusted to or adapted to is the distinctions that will be in culture. Yeah. And not necessarily wrong or unbiblical things, but just things that are different. Yeah. Yeah. And Paul mentions that First uh, Corinthians 9, verse 20. Let me read that to us. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. 
to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law, to them that are without the law as without the law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. I think that speaks well to the fact that Paul wasn't compromising the scriptures. Paul wasn't compromising doctrine. He wasn't compromising his testimony. Um, he was, as we spoke of, adjusting to the different yeah, cultures you know, he was there. One thing, uh, Paul, he had to get over being a Jew. Yeah. Um, he states that in Philippians, you know, uh, Pharisee of the Pharisee, according to the law of Pharisee, he said, uh, uh, Jew, descendant of, of uh, the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee. Yet how does that, quote unquote, play when you're the apostle to the Gentiles? Right. You got to move past all that. Yeah. Uh, he couldn't walk he, around and flaunt it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I think if you'll talk to a lot of seasoned missionaries, particularly those that are over there in another country and live there and reside as, as opposed to church planning missionaries and such, I think you'll find out that uh, while they are no doubt thankful to be Americans and of so much that that is attributed, the one part of it is they have to face the distinction that they are not in America anymore. And like Wizard of Oz, we're not in Kansas anymore. Right. Uh, I was recently talking to a pastor who pastors in another country, and in the engagement of the conversation, he was talking about one of the big hurdles that he's noticed in over 20 years of American missionaries that come and plant in very needy areas in his country. He said they really struggle as Americans. And I was like, well, what way? You know, is it a training issue? And he right. said, no, they struggle because they're Americans. Yeah. Um, most countries in the world do not have the type of freedoms that Americans have. And when you live over in those countries, you kind of have to choose what you're going to be for a moment. Yeah. And uh, that's what he was addressing. It's a real challenge for them to live in a country that is so socialistic and limited in various freedoms. And they're going to have to pray and uh, ask God to give them sustaining grace. And you and I must pray that God will give them a joyful endurance. Right. That they might be to that people that God has called them to, the effective light to shine the glorious gospel of Christ. So, again, you know, we're praying that God would grant them some patience as they deal with these cultural distinctions. I think another thing we could look at is we pray for faithfulness as the missionary encounters opposition and rejection. Well, that never happens, does it? <laughs> Everybody I, just loves the gospel of Jesus Christ. You knock on a door and they just are immediately ready and receptive I enjoyed whenever Brother DeLong was here and he said to the missionaries in one of the missions conference messages, he said, to all the missionaries, in case you didn't know this already, whenever you get to your country and walk off the plane, they're not going to be waiting for you with their King James Bible in hand for yeah. you to show up. I talked to him. We had a one Michigan for many years ago, a veteran missionary, Ted Dobb, to Kenya. And I had the privilege of sitting down and kind of question, ask him uh, and a uh, question and answer with him. And he made this statement. I asked him, I said, what do you feel that you were able to do successfully in Kenya? And his answer, his retort was, uh, it caught me off guard. He said, I think I was able to offend every Kenyan I met. <laughs> and uh, he, he kind of jested about it, but he's alluding to so many cultural things. 
Um, and of course, then there's the offense of the gospel. Right. And there's so many things present there. Obviously served there his practically his entire adult life. Right. Uh, and he had a love for the people and the love has a love for the people and has a love for truth. But nonetheless, that does not mean there is not opposition and rejection. Uh, missionaries are going to have to be steadfast in doctrine in their activity. They're going to have to stay out. Many doors are going to be slammed in their face. They're going to, here's a good biblical word, they're going to have to persevere. Second yeah. um, Timothy equates the man of God uh, to be like a soldier, enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Let me read a verse for us here. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, actually 57 and 58 here. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, we consider that chapter, the 15th chapter, the resurrection chapter, and the previous verses talk about death, where is thy stained grave, where is thy victory? And the fact remains that Paul, looking out upon the difficulties that will come at the conclusion of life, one having to pass through the valley of shadow of death, Nevertheless, there's the promise. There's a promise of the resurrection that one day those that are in Christ Jesus will live with him again in a literal sense. And so that's facing the greatest adversary uh, that we'll really face in this particular life uh, from the physical aspect. And he says, hey, you can be always abounding because of the victory God has provided. Yeah. But death isn't the only adversary that we face. The gospel is often one of the pointed reasons why the world, uh, why in the world there's so much tribulation as it relates to believers and the preaching of the gospel. Yeah. And I think about someone that was motivated in that way against Paul. Um, Second Timothy 4.14, he mentions Alexander the coppersmith, says, did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his work. You know, think of this for a moment. We we said, I think it was in the first point, God would give grace. Yeah. Um, I would note that it's important when when we, as you know, preach of the gospel in a broad sense, men of God, godly people, when we're treated in a less than ideal way or in a negative way, our response is important. Yeah. Well, you know, the difference is, is... Their opposition has no rules. Oh, that's true. No standards. No, and yep. you know, as we respond, we need to respond in a Christ-like manner. We just can't respond as they would respond, or respond without any standard. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And look at his response there once again to Alexander the coppersmith. He said, "The Lord reward him." And you know what? He will. Yeah, he will. Uh, Romans chapter twelve: Avenge not yourselves. He is the the avenger, if you will. And Alexander wasn't the only one no, we that had caused some frustration and difficulty. I think of Philippians chapter 1, there were those that literally did what they could to add to the bonds of the Apostle Paul. But in Timothy, in particular this last will and testament, 2 Timothy, there are two individuals mentioned in every chapter. Now, two of those preceded Paul. That was Janice and Jambres. But it gives us an insight on how um, gospel-preaching missionary activity can have opposition and rejection. You yeah. mentioned Alexander, but in that same chapter, you've got Demas yeah. that forsook, yeah. returned to Thessalonica. You know, he's gone, 
And that's often a difficult time. I, I, I know that God moves people, and I know that uh, there are circumstances that arise in the lives of people, but there, there are also folks that just stop. Yeah, it's different whenever someone's moving or transitioning yeah. or something versus someone forsaking. You know, and you, you go there and you've partnered and you're, you become somewhat interdependent one with another for various reasons. And now that person has quit. And I don't, I don't mean that they've transitioned to another service field. I mean, they have, they have, they're done serving God. They have dropped their sword in battle and walked off the field. Yeah. And that is a hard thing to come to grips with. And at the point in which Paul wrote this in second Timothy, he's in prison. If there was ever a time in those verses, he's going to talk about my first answer. If there was ever a time he could have used a true yoke fellow, if there was ever a time he could have used encouragement, if there was ever a time he could use the co-labor, it was that moment in that time. And Demas, who could have been there, Demas, who was there earlier, was not. Yeah, That's a frustration that one must endure. And that's a time that you have to remember, be steadfast, unmovable. In chapter one, you have two other individuals as well. You have um, Phygelus and Hermogenes, and they had turned aside from Paul. In fact, not only had turned aside, they had led a whole group of people that were walking in truth in a completely different manner. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, you have Hymenaeus and Philetus, and they have doctrinal error. Yeah. Uh, concerning the resurrection of the dead, they were wrong. And they continued, and they undermined the ministry of Paul. And then, of course, the type, you know, if you will, if I can use that word of Janice and Jamboree's, they withstood Moses. You'll always have direct opposition. Yeah. And our response is important as believers, but one of those response always has to be faithfulness. Faithfulness to God. Well, was it, what passage is it that says about dealing with those things with long suffering and doctrine? Uh, yeah, that's also in Timothy. Yeah. Uh, the man of God shall not strive, uh, but meekness and yes, giving all doctrine. Titus mentions this as well. Our response is important. It's going to take grace, and it's going to take some endurance. And yes, there has to be an adherence to faithfulness. And as we remember the focus of the podcast, we need to be praying for our missionaries in this regard. Yes. So it's not just, it's more than just saying, well, the missionary better be faithful. Well, he needs to be, but we need to be in prayer. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to expose these specific avenues in which a missionary certainly needs prayer. For that matter, your pastor needs prayer. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's go to number four here. Pray that the missionary would rest in the presence of the Lord in times of isolation. Yeah. Uh, we should go to Ephesians chapter six, you know, to really start out and verse number 10 is an important one. Um, but also James chapter four, he, he talks in verse seven and following about submitting yourself to God, resisting the devil, and he will flee from you. Uh, there's going to be times in which I think of second Corinthians chapter one, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices, right? Um, the fact is, it's not the fact that he can overpower a believer in some ways, but when a believer is in a weakened state, and isolation is one of those, um, when they're in a time of temptation, when they're in a time of discouragement, um, we have a tendency to lean on our own flesh. Yeah, And that's what James is referring to, submit, don't be rebellious, and resist, yeah. Uh, out in battle array is the idea of resisting. It's not tepid. It's, it's, uh, bold and, uh, doing all that we can in the matter of adherence to truth and righteousness in that engagement. But if, if you, if you have, look at the beginning verses of Ephesians chapter six. Let me read that for us here. Verse number 10 to start. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God, that ye might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And that's verses 10 through 18 of Ephesians chapter 6. Yeah, and you know, he starts there in verse 10 about being strong in the power, might. Three words there, strong, power, might. They're very similar. They're distinct. Uh, That word might, I believe, has the idea of power reserved. The word power has the idea of power demonstrated. And you and I must rest in God's ability and in God's strength. I think this comes to a realization that we don't have it all. Yeah. We're, we are not in the flesh everything that we need to get this job done. Yeah. In fact, the opposite is true. Uh, a good portion of our battle is going to be leaning not to the flesh, but yielding our members to righteousness. And so there's unique battles that are there. And one of the things that we're admonished is to put on this whole armor of God. Why? That we can withstand. The wiles of the yeah. devil. And even in verse 16, he says about taking on above all the shield of faith that you might quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And so as you consider these, I mean, the fact is your whole entity is under, under fire as it were. Be that your mind, be that your heart, your passion, your emotions, your thought process, your movements, your going forward, your coming out. Uh, the the resources that we have are the word of God and prayer and faith in the promises of the almighty God. And I think I think one time-tested thing that every um, individual in ministry, be that be that a, a church planter in their in their own country, or be that a foreign church planter, or be that a missionary, but there is one secret every believer ought to know, and it's something revealed to us over in First First um, uh, uh, Samuel, I think it is thirty. Yes, yeah. chapter number thirty. Uh, there's a series of verses there, but essentially, David and his men were come to Ziklag, and um, they find that the Amalekites had burnt it with fire. The Amalekites have this overwhelming uh, military presence compared to these men of David's time. Uh, he's watching the men weep, and they're afraid. It's a very difficult time. Some of David's relatives, his, his wife and all, were taken uh, captive. Um, and it, at least from the people's perspective, they're in a bad strait. They're going to stone him. Yeah. That's a problem. A lot of times in difficulties, we look for someone to blame. Yeah. That's even true in calamities. If there's a personal calamity, who do we blame? Uh, the fact is... Well, we got to blame someone other than ourselves. <laughs> it's never our fault. <laughs> we, we've apprehended unless you, you ask us in a spiritual sense. But here they're going to stone David. Yeah. Um, the scripture says there in verse, verse number uh, six, I believe it, it says, the soul of all the people grieved yeah. every man for his son and for his daughter. And there's a phrase there that is so important. Every believer must know this phrase. And David, it seems like he was isolated in this fact. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And so everyone around him was grieving. Everyone around him wanted to blame someone else. 
So yeah, the important thing is that when all of this isolation occurs and you have the Hymenaeus and Philetus in doctrinal area and they're ruining the faith of some and you have the Demas and the Alexanders that are injuring and hurting and forsaking and you have those that turn aside from Paul and those that withstand the ministry of the gospel, it's important at that time to encourage yourself in the Lord. Yes. His promises, his faith be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not self-confidence. It's confidence rather in the power and ability of God. And so we've got to pray that they can rest in those wonderful truths that God has given throughout his scriptures. You know, that's an encouragement to know that God gives us the ability still. God gives us the means that we need to stay encouraged even whenever we're alone. And, you know, I think about Paul spent much time in prisons. He was able to encourage himself. And it's not like he, I mean, obviously the ministry of others was huge. He talked about it. But yet at the end and of the day. And how delighted was he when he, re, like, he was thrilled. Philippian church. Yes. It, it's flourished with me again. I mean, it gave him a great sense of thankfulness. But at the end of the day, he has to rest yes. in the Lord. Pray that the word of God would have free course as the gospel is preached. Yeah, that's a wonderful phrase. It says over in Second Thessalonians, this is kind of number five, uh, praying that the word of God would have free course. Finally, brethren, pray for us in the word of God that it may have free course, be glorified, even as it in you. And then he's going to talk about them a little bit. Uh, Paul says that we might be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. There's more of that isolation. <laughs> There's more of that opposition. Yeah. For all men have not faith. That's a sad but true statement. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do. The, man, that's wonderful. The command, uh, those things which we have commanded you. And the Lord direct your hearts in the love of God and a patient waiting for Christ. You know, we think here of number five, we pray for the word of God to have free course there's a number of things that I think sometimes it prevented from having that ability of, let's call it forward progress. Yeah. Sometimes in, in the area of sanctification in believers' life, yeah. forward progress is in the, in the lives of individuals that have not faith. Uh, I think there's an obviously one that maybe we wouldn't consider right at the point, but one of the things that prevent the gospel is getting there. Yeah. It's got to get there. Yeah. Um, that's a huge thing among foreign missionaries today in particularly. Yeah. Uh, We're talking about borders and visas and yes, governments. All matter of things. And, uh, uh, you know, it's it's not like all of the governments do everything the same way. Yeah. And there's a lot of planning and, and a lot of preparation. And so pray that, that God would open doors is what you're saying. And I love whenever you find of a missionary going to a closed country, quote unquote, closed country, um, meaning the civil authorities have done their best from a legislative point of view to uh, limit missionary activity. Sure. Um, and the fact is, God can open doors. Um, the reality is the gospel is not bound. But from our perspective, we need to pray that the gospel have free course and these doors would be open. Yeah. Another one I think that could stand in the way is just distraction. Oh, my goodness. I mean, if you've got to get all these difficulties good in this field, inevitably there's going to be distractions. Yeah. And your mind is, is a place of, you know, where you can be faced with the temptation is just somewhere else ought to be doing um, or you go there and kind of what the quote you gave a moment ago, they're just not waving there at the airport saying, we're here, we're here. Yeah. And so there's a lot of distractions that can turn aside. And that is a chief uh, component that the evil one uses in our life to get us distracted from the focus of preaching the gospel. Another one that could do that is 
Well, a lack of obedience. You know, you've got a specific call to go somewhere and you just don't go. Or a specific call to preach and you just don't preach. Yeah. And, you know, for various reasons or whatever it might be, well, that's an opportunity that's being missed, not only in your life, but perhaps in the life of someone else. Yeah. Uh, and so these are all different. Obviously, persecution is one of these two. Uh, sometimes we look at how difficult it is, and certainly uh, that should be a consideration in our mind that is present. Um, we need to pray that the gospel have free course. They'd be able to run unimpaired by us. Here's another one. Pray that God would give the increase as the planting and watering occurs, and that he would build his church. In 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 6 through 8 says this, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry. Year God's building. And I think of there about in in this passage, people are wanting to attach themselves to somebody. And at the end of the day, Paul is really showing them how witnessing occurs. Someone plants, someone waters, God gives the increase. And, you know, sometimes we need to pray that, well, as we water and as we plant, we need to be praying. God uses people. Yeah. You know, I think Cephas, Paul, uh, brother Peter, you know, he's preaching at uh, Pentecost. Uh, he's preaching later as well, and he's just a magnanimous type individual. You, the Jews would refer to him in chapter 4 as being ignorant, but he was just a magnanimous type individual. And then you've got Apollos. He's a man that's eloquent in speech. And then you've got Paul. And uh, magnanimous, he was not. He's often, when you hear him speaking, it's him and someone else. Uh, eloquence in writing, perhaps, but he talks other times about not having great words or not good handwriting. Yes. <laughs> and so when you when you put all this together, you realize ultimately it's God that gives the increase. You can bring a great burden on your heart when you think you're doing all the work. Yeah. Uh, and I also think it's such a great disdain when someone says, "Well, preacher so and so saves me." I don't want to hear those words. He gave me the gospel maybe. Right. Uh, but it's God that saves people, and it's God that does the work. And so we have to kind of pray. We're praying along, God, go before yeah. us and um, give the increase. We're faithfulness in the things that we can control. We plant, we water, but it's God and his uh, spirit that will convict and draw and provide repentance, et cetera, that will bring about the salvation of souls. Yeah, You know, First Corinthians chapter 3 is just a powerful thing in all of this work that God does. You know, you get there in those verses that God will give the increase. In verse number nine, he talks about these, these group of believers here in Corinth, in Corinth, you are God's building. Yeah. Uh, you're the, you're the church. You're, you're here. You're present. Um, that's an amazing thing because, uh, I can't speak as a foreign missionary, but, but as a national church planner, having planned a church here, I can tell you this. We have a tendency sometimes to plant in our own image or in our own vision. Mm. And it's God that puts those components and members together. Yeah. And you you have to be growing and walking with God to let to be well used in what he's putting together. Right. And you know, going over to the mission field would be similar in that regard. Then he says in verse number 11, let every man, so each one of these members, you know, that make up that body, that building, they've got to take care of how they build their life. Yeah. 
And that's in part in the early stages of the missionary work as well. Um, that's that continual process of sanctification that would come in the life of believers, which is that church. And then in verse number 12, the day shall declare it. Yeah. Each individual is going to stand and give an account, each of those believers. And so First Corinthians chapter 3 is a powerful treatise on that. And so we have to pray for our missionaries that God would give them an increase that they'd see souls come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they would engage in that second component of making disciples, and that would see the fulfillment of that being the establish of a New Testament church. This is what's occurring. This is something that we must pray for for our missionaries, be that those over here or over there. Another one we have is pray that God would receive all the honor and glory for what is accomplished. Yeah, this being our seventh one. I thought it best we kind of conclude with this a little bit. To God be the glory, great things. He's almost a doxology of life. I think giving glory to God is one of the chiefest ambitions we could really ever have in life. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 speaks to this. It says there in verse 31, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jew nor to the Gentile, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit. There's a powerful emphasis. You want to know what it takes to give God the glory? Not seek your own profit. There you go. You can't be a glory seeker. And then he goes on, but the profit of many that they may be saved. We are just, when you think about the expanse of the New, New Testament and all this, I think Philippians chapter 2, which is little illuminaries. Yeah. That ye may shine as light in darkness, he says. Um, in Second Corinthians chapter four, he said, We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants. Yeah. They're luminaries, just little lights. They're servants. First Corinthians chapter four, this is a little rough here. It's just not for sensitive ears, but he says in First Corinthians chapter four, in keeping all of this, he says, We're stewards. Yeah. He says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And that steward there, you know, it, it has the idea of an under rower. It's literally like a galley slave that would row in these great seaborne vessels. And there would be several abreast, maybe three abreast on each side and all upon the rows of them, each holding oars. And in great timing, they would move together. Why? Which one's moving the oar? The guy on the end, the middle? <laughs> now they're working in harmony. And my responsibility, I'm just a steward. Just, just a servant of God, just, just a little illuminary. I think it's Second Corinthians chapter six and verse one. We're co-laborers with Christ. Yeah. Uh, this ministry of reconciliation we have, and so pray that everything we do, in every aspect of the ministry, it brings glory and honor to God. So those are a series of them that we have really looked at and. Uh, I'll recap quickly, but uh, pray for the commissioning of the missionaries. I want to pray uh, for sustaining grace as missionaries endeavor and face these challenges. Pray for missionaries as they adjust and adapt to a new culture. I pray for faithfulness as the missionaries uh, encounter opposition and rejection. Pray for the missionary work, or rather the missionary would rest in the presence of the Lord. Pray the gospel would have full course, free course rather, that the gospel would be preached. Pray for an increase the planting and the watering and the building, that God would build his church. And then finally, the one we dealt with today is that God would receive all glory. Yeah. 
And as you know, we, we mentioned this already, but we built the framework of this podcast off of um, the list that Dave Luke put together, how you can pray for your missionaries. And we just want to read that to you, that way you yeah. get it in full. And um, maybe you want to get out a pen and paper and jot some notes down as it'll be now, it'll be uh, back to back to back instead of us talking in between. But let me let me give it to you here. It's It's 10 points here. First, pray for God's sustaining grace as the missionary faces challenges in the ministry. Number two, pray that for patience as the missionary adjusts and adapts to the new culture. Number three, pray for encouragement as the missionary faces discouraging moments in the ministry. Number four, pray for faithfulness as the missionary encounters opposition and rejection. Number five, pray that missionaries would find strength in the Lord. Number six, Pray that the missionary would rest in the presence of the Lord when faced with isolation. Number seven, pray that the word of God would have free course as the missionary shares the gospel of Christ. Number eight, pray that there would be fruit in the missionary's labor. Number nine, pray that God would give the increase as the missionary plants and waters the seed of the gospel. Number ten, and finally, pray that God would receive all the honor and glory for what is accomplished and with that i think of well he put this verse down here first thessalonians five twenty five, speaking this way brethren pray for us yes you know we have the responsibility to hold the ropes of prayer for our missionaries and yet each missionary must remember that god will never lead them to a place where his presence will not be promised and that brings us to the word of the day yes. let me read us Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, really focusing in here on prayer. The scriptures say, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saint, for all saints. And with that, we want to thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye for now. <laughs>